Good morning and welcome to worship here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church and welcome to all you who are listening in your homes. It's great to have you with us on this Palm Sunday. This is the fourth Sunday in a row that we are worshiping here in our sanctuary and you are worshiping at home. If you are a friend or a guest or a member of this congregation, we pray that through your worship, the Holy Spirit will touch you. Just a couple of instructions for this Sunday's worship as I sent out in emails to the congregation. If you have with you a branch or branches or ferns or something that you can shake in the air as a part of this Palm Sunday, we encourage you to do so as we sing our first hymn. And as I jokingly said, you're welcome to march around your house with a hymn and join in the fun of this Palm Sunday processional song. Also, I would encourage you to have before you some bread or something to symbolize the bread of Christ for communion, as well as a small cup of juice. If you do not have any of these things before you right now and you would like to get them, just pause this recording or just stop it, go get those things, put them in front of you, and then come back and start again. But now it is time to worship. So let us prepare ourselves for worship by standing and joining me in the call to worship. Please stand. Jesus is coming. Shout Hosanna. He's riding on a colt. Shout Hosanna. Open the gates. Shout Hosanna. Wave the branches. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Please join us in singing our first hymn and grab your branches or your palms or your ferns.
And now as you remain standing, please join together with us in the unison morning prayer. We praise you, O God, for your redemption of the world through Jesus Christ. Today we remember he entered the city of Jerusalem, being proclaimed Messiah and King. As we begin this holy week, let our hearts and minds turn to the final days of the life of our Savior. May his way of the cross give us strength as we face our difficulties in daily life. Amen. Please take a moment of silent prayer. Friends, listen to the good news. And the good news is this, that God sent his only son not to condemn us, but to love us, to forgive us, and to go the way of the cross to resurrection so that all of us would understand the depth of his love and the beauty of new life that is created through faith and life in Jesus Christ. So friends, receive the good news of the gospel that you are forgiven and freed. For new life. May the peace of Christ be with you and, and also, also with you. Peace of Christ, Sharon. Peace of Christ, Marty. Peace of Christ, Nancy. may be seated. Friends, it has been the tradition of this congregation for many, many years, going back at least 50 or 60 from what I can see in the minutes, that our congregation has always taken up a special Easter offering. And we're doing so the same this year. This year we are giving our proceeds to the Presbyterian Church's One Great Hour of Sharing. You can find out more in detail about the One Great Hour of Sharing and how it helps the poor around the world at this time by going to our website at www.rbpres.org after this worship service and just click on the link at the bottom of our page. And it will take you to the Presbyterian Church's site for the One Great Hour of Sharing. And there you can listen to and read many of the stories of how this particular offering helps others. To participate in this offering, please do not use our online website in giving because we don't have a One Great Hour of Sharing account. But what you can do if you would like to give to this special offering at this time is to please send a check and make a note on that check that it's for the One Great Hour of Sharing, our Easter offering. We are collecting that this week and for the following weeks 
until enough until we have received what we think is normal and then we will pass that on to the Presbyterian Church USA. Obviously at this time it goes without saying that if you decide not to give to the one great hour of sharing, we as a church encourage you to reach out to others in this community and use that special Easter time as a way to show your love and support for the many, many, many organizations that need it at this time. This first reading from the Bible comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians in chapter 4. Listens for God's word to you. Paul writes, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Holy Wisdom, Holy Word.
and let the people say, Amen. Our second reading this Sunday comes from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 21. I invite you to listen. Listen for God's word to you. When the disciples and Jesus had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and a colt, the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds then went ahead of him, and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil and asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. You know, we title this Sunday, Palm Sunday. And for Christians around the globe, this is the beginning of Holy Week. It is the beginning when we remember Jesus' time in Jerusalem and obviously remember when there's a time of crucifixion and remember what we'll be celebrating next Sunday, which is the resurrection on Easter Sunday. We title it Palm Sunday because of the branches that were cut that were waved when Jesus entered Jerusalem. But sometimes I wonder if it's really Palm Sunday, and I'd like to suggest that maybe we ought to retitle this Sunday Humility Sunday. If you look carefully at this particular reading from Matthew, Matthew takes from the prophet and says that Jesus comes on a colt and a donkey, humble, and enters Jerusalem. So maybe this is more of a not so much a giant procession and excitement like a king entering Jerusalem. Maybe it's a procession of one who is incredibly humble and knows what is actually going to take place in his life, that this is not a moment where he takes the king and the throne and that type of glory. It is one where he enters in a sense of processional glory, but enters with incredible humility. Humility is not something that we talk about a lot as an American virtue, but is one of those Christian virtues that has been taught and talked about for centuries. And so I want to read just a few quotes about humility that might ring true for you. Of course, the first comes from Proverbs where it says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. 
or hear from Julius Lester in his novel, Falling Pieces from the Broken Sky. He writes, eating grits and fatback for breakfast and washing up every morning in cold water from a hydrant on the street or in the backyard helped one learn humility and humanity. Or maybe this will ring true for you, Edwin Dobbs. Who has not gazed at the night sky, mouth slightly agape? The experience is so common, its effects so uniform, that a standard vocabulary has evolved to describe it. Invariably, when we stand before the night sky alone, we speak of the profound humility we feel before the enormity of the universe. We are aware that we are like bits of dust in a spectacle, whose scope beggars the imagination, whose secrets make a mockery of human reason. Or finally, in the magazine The Economist, if leadership has a secret sauce, it may well be in the quality of humility of the leader. A humble boss, a humble leader, understands that there are things he or she does not know. He or she listens, listens well, not only to the experts and the bigwigs, but also to the kind of people who never get invited to the table. I am suggesting the humility is something that many of us may be feeling at this time, and it is something that we need not only to feel, but to cultivate so that we can rise to this occasion. This particular occasion is confounding and confusing for many of us. Never did we think that we'd be spending this much time with our family and, and our family in our homes. Never did we think even a few months ago that somehow the governors of the United States would be telling us to stay home. Never did we think that 50% of the world's population would be told to stay home. Never did we think that 90% of the population of the United States of America is being told stay home, stay home, to protect ourselves, to flatten the curve, to make it possible for us to deal with this virus and eventually understand it and overcome it through vaccines and other measures. This whole experience is one of taking humanity and creating a time of great humility. As I was reading this week, I was reading about several researchers who are doing the hard work of trying to figure out this particular virus, virus its molecular structure, and somehow figure out a way to find a vaccine or maybe a cure, who knows. But both of them in separate articles talked about two things that they have needed as researchers. The first being a grand sense of curiosity to know well what is happening. And it takes a lot of curiosity on the part of a lot of people to figure out how to deal with this moment. But the other thing that both of them said in separate articles is that it takes incredible humility 
to understand something that you know almost nothing about. Yes, it may be similar to other viruses called the coronaviruses, but it's unique, it's different. It is something that humanity never saw until a few months ago, maybe back in December, was the first time any human being had realized we have something brand new to deal with. And without humility, those researchers will not be successful. Humility is one of those virtues that Jesus, that Jesus lives with in spades. He is working with disciples who never fully understand what he's talking about. And every single time Jesus comes to them and says, I will go to Jerusalem and die and suffer at the hands of the authorities. Every single time his disciples reject it, say that will not happen. That's not what's going to happen to our Lord, to our master. And Jesus realizes they don't get what he's talking about. And through the numerous miracles and his teaching, you would think that somehow people would grasp what he's really all about, and they don't. Jesus is ultimately living in an environment where his humility is necessary for him to continue forward and to face the reality that he has to face. And now going into Jerusalem, today we celebrate his entry into this city. He's not only going into Jerusalem, he's going into a temple that has been corrupted and he will eventually call its own den of thieves. The very religious authorities and leaders who are responsible for the spiritual and the well-being of a people have corrupted that place to the point where it's no longer truly the house of prayer and the house of God that it was created to be. And Jesus has to walk into that place and ultimately submit. Submit to the authority of people who do not like him, who do not want him there, and want to see him gone. It is an incredible act of humility. Our Lord and Savior humbly gave us a vision and an example of love that is so profound that thousands of years later we are still trying to grapple with it, understand it, and then somehow in our own lives copy it. How can we, followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, also find ways to live into our challenges with a grand humility where we are not sure exactly what to do and how to do it. And if you need examples of that, just look all around you. These last couple of weeks, if you have known an educator, educators all over the country are now becoming online educators and they are not experts at this. And yet they've been given the task to continue working and figure out how do I do something that I've never, ever, ever done before and do it in a way that the children I love and work with face to face will now find something of value. 
And parents are juggling two jobs. It used to be that you could send your kid off to school and then have somewhat of a break. Maybe then you're going to work at the same time. But if you were fortunate enough to stay home, you could organize your life. But now your children are right there. You're the, in essence, teacher and mother and father. And it's a very humbling experience. For many of us, we are now living 24-7 with our spouses. And let's be honest. We love our spouses. We're committed to them. We will do anything to help them. But none of us sat back and said, I want to spend 24-7 with this person nonstop all the time. We enjoy it when our spouses go out golfing. We enjoy it when our spouses have friends to go out, to go have a drink, to go out to the movies. We enjoy those kinds of things, not only because we like to see them happy, but we like the necessary distance so that we can have a little bit of our own lives and a little bit of our own privacy and a little bit of our own world. And yes, getting out to walk helps. But at this moment, our relationships need patience, need kindness, need resilience, and all of us in these relationships need to enter into it with a humility that understands we've never done this before. We're in a new place, and in a new place, we're going to fail at times, and we have to have that both forbearance and love and gentleness and laughter. Humility is about laughing at ourselves that we don't know what to do always, and yet we will trust that the love of God and the power of the Spirit will guide us through. That kind of humility is needed everywhere. In some ways, you see it in a heroic kind of humility. The kind of humility that I heard about this week when one of the members of our church told me or sent me a story about their niece who is caring for people in a care home over in Seattle. And she is doing day-to-day -day direct care for people who need that type of care. And yet when she went into work, they don't have any masks. They're out. There's none. And she's aware enough of the virus that working that close to people in this environment without the mask means that you're going to probably get the infection. And yet with great humility and professionalness, she goes in and yeah, she got sick. She's recovering, but the people in this care facility don't have enough people and they still have no masks or few masks. But yet, with humility and professionalism, they are doing what they can in the moment. There are millions of examples of humility all around us these days, of people who are serving the greater good in ways that are astounding and inspiring. And we need to see those, hear those, and take those into our own hearts and consistently ask ourselves over and over, in this moment that has humbled us, how do we respond in our homes, in our communities? Years ago, in the 1950s, J.R. Tolkien, 
or J.R.R. Tolkien, wrote a book that most of us know from a movie these days called The Fellowship of the Ring. And if you know anything about that or you saw the movie, the blockbuster movie that's out, or if you've seen it in reruns, you know that that's a story of a humble hobbit who has never, ever before even left his home. And he's never, ever, ever tackled evil on the scale that he's about to tackle it. And yet he begins this journey, and he gets to the point of this journey with this fellowship of people who are taking this ring to the place where hopefully they can destroy it. But in this one moment, they are underground. They are in the dark in the caves of Moria. And all they have to light their way is their fellowship and friendship and a few torches. And in that moment, their leader, Gandalf, is trying to figure out which way to go. Because in this dark cave, there are numerous ways to go. And he's trying to figure it out. And he does not know. And there is a conversation between Frodo and Gandalf that goes like this. Let me repeat. Gandalf says, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. This is our time, the time that none of us thought we'd ever be in, but it is the time that we are in. And so now I encourage you this Holy Week to enter into this time with that great sense of humility, the humility that Christ entered into Jerusalem, the humility that others are doing in terms of their research, the humility of many people doing tasks in this world that seem almost impossible and put themselves at risk, I invite you to enter into this time, the time that you were not given because you chose it, but it's the time you were given because that is the world in which we live today. I invite you into this time to be humble and to enter it with humility and to be surprised, just like the disciples were surprised on Easter, to be surprised what God can do through you. Amen. And now if you would stand and join in singing, O Lord my God, how great thou art.
now you may be seated and let us pray. We trust in you, O God, and we especially trust in the unbreakable love that you offer through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for being the one who became humble among us and showing us the way of humility, the way of the cross. Thank you for riding into Jerusalem and for the tears of love you shed for the people of Jerusalem and the community you knew. Thank you for receiving the shouts of praise even while you knew the adoring crowds would turn on you. Thank you for confronting the proud and powerful with your message of grace and forgiveness and justice and mercy. We trust in you, O God, and on this Palm Sunday when the world is fighting and protecting itself from a novel coronavirus, we thank you that we can trust in the love and power that comes through the faith of Jesus Christ. Because of Christ's love, our prayers reach out to all our brothers and sisters. We pray for those who today are faced with a choice between staying home and protecting themselves and serving in their capacity as frontline workers at this time. For the grocery store workers, the agricultural workers, those who drive our public transport, for those who work in hospitals and clinics and care facilities for the elderly, for all those who are called to work at this time and put their own health at risk, may you protect and keep them healthy and whole. We pray for ourselves, for inner fortitude, for patience, for kindness, for resilience, for each one of us living in our homes all these days. We pray for clear and courageous and selfless leadership at all levels of this country that puts the good of all people in our communities first. We pray for those who now, not expecting to struggle financially, are struggling financially, especially all the small businesses who were ordered to close at this time and wonder what the future holds. Lord, give them strength, give them vision, give them resources to make do. We pray for the wider communities and the countries all around the world who are still not fully hit by this disease, especially those in poorer countries without the financial, governmental, or medical resources. We pray that they will be healthy and strong. We pray for all the people who have had their normal health care set aside for those who are now waiting for surgeries and other kinds of medical help because of our need to focus on dealing with this virus. We pray that those who have regular health care problems will find the help they need. And Lord, we pray for our researchers that they will find a vaccine, a cure, and an ability to help all of us in this time. And now together, let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forevermore. Amen. And now at this time, I would encourage you to continue offering your resources to the ministry of this congregation. Uh, we obviously do not have plates to pass out to you. And as I've mentioned before, we have regular online giving for our general fund. You can go to our website. And we also have the capacity to receive your gifts through the mail. Just to give you a small update, we are doing okay, although last month's giving was about $5,000 to $6,000 less than we normally take in when we have worship here in our sanctuary. So we appreciate all you can give, and if you can give even more than your pledged amount, we can use it for the full ministries and opportunities in this congregation.
let the people say, Amen. Amen. Folks, you that are not here in the sanctuary don't realize the interesting recording challenge it is for us to be able to, you know, prepare worship for you in an empty sanctuary. And one of the tasks that I gave both Sharon and Nancy this past week was to do something absolutely brand new, a song, and you just heard it, and that was amazing. What a gift of God that both of them were able to learn it and produce it and share it with you. I know it will bless you. So now if you have your communion elements before you, I encourage you to place them close to you at this time. And let us pray. O Lord our God, creator and ruler of the universe, in your wisdom you made all things and sustained them by your power. You made us in your image, setting us in your world to love and serve you and to live in peace with your whole creation. From generation to generation you have guided us, sending prophets to turn us from wayward paths into the way of righteousness and justice and mercy. Out of your great love for the world, you sent your only Son among us to redeem us and to be the way to eternal life. You are holy, O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. As one of us, he knew our joys and sorrows and our struggles with temptation. He was like us in every way except sin. In him we see what you created us to be. Though blameless, he suffered willingly for our sin. Though innocent, he accepted death for the guilty. On the cross, he offered himself a sacrifice for the life of the world. By his suffering and death, he freed us from sin and death. And risen from the grave, he leads us to the joy of new life. Remembering all your mighty and merciful acts, we take the bread that we have before us and the wine or juice that we have before us from the gifts you have given us, all these gifts, and we celebrate with joy the redemption won for us in Jesus Christ. Accept this, our sacrifice and praise of thanksgiving, as a living, living and holy offering of ourselves, that our lives, our daily lives, may proclaim the one crucified and risen. Gracious God, we ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us here in this sanctuary and upon all those in their homes and upon these gifts of bread and wine that you have on this table and you have in front of those gathered in their homes so that the bread that we break and the cup that we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. By your Spirit, unite us with the living Christ and with all who are baptized in his name that we may be one in ministry in every place and in every home. As this bread is Christ's body for each of us, send us out in this time to be the body of Christ in this world. Lead us, O God, in the way of Christ. Give us courage to take up our cross and in full reliance upon your grace to follow him. Help us to love you above all else and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves demonstrating that love in deed and word in the power of the Spirit. Give us strength to serve you faithfully until the promised day of resurrection, when with the redeemed of all the ages, we will face with, feast with you at your table in glory. Now I invite you each 
in your homes to take a piece of bread and hold that bread before you. And break it and hold it up and know that this bread you hold before you is the body of Christ, the symbol of God's love, the body of Christ that is broken to you, that is offered to you each month at communion here in our sanctuary and is offered to you today in your homes. Take and eat it now. Please consume. And now I invite you to take the cup before you. Hold it in your hands. And just as Jesus took a cup, giving thanks to God, Jesus offered that cup to his disciples and he offers it to you in your homes. And he says, take, drink from this cup. And every time you drink from it, do it in remembrance of me for the forgiveness of sins. Please drink the cup before you. And now you may be seated and to listen quietly. Now you are invited to stand and join us for our final hymn, The King of Glory. It starts out very slow and it picks up speed as it goes. Please join us.
charge one another. Go out to the world in peace, have courage, hold on to what is good, return no one evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.